listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, the local, the state, the national, covering down on all the issues. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, if you were watching on the video just then, you saw Boomer quickly flip around and turn on the soundboard that I had turned off. <laughs> so I'm just yelling into my microphone and having no results whatsoever. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. Oh, oh, wait. That's what I get for coming in all dressed up, overdressed for radio. That's what it is. That's what it is. I'm just I'm just over <laughs> I'm just overdressed for radio, totally out of my element. Anyway, hey, how you doing? I'm good. Yeah. I'm ready for the show today. <laughs> oh god. Well, today is a day. So yeah, 2.07 p.m. right now on Tuesday, February 21st. I am in the studio, way overdressed for radio because I had to do some lawyer in this morning. Uh, but that being said, we got a great show laid on for you today. So at 3 o'clock today, I'm really looking forward to this. Um, you know, I, I, I want to make sure that we spend time focusing on the people that are doing things in and around us that are making a difference, having an impact. And so, you know, if you've listened to the show for a while, how we have people on here and there, that will come sit in studio with us and give us the straight skinny on what they're doing that is truly impacting their community. Well, one of those is coming in at 3 o'clock today, Elena Centilli. Elena Centilli is the mom of a, of a, of a young Marine who's now passed away, um, and she is starting a place called Dovetail Landing that is literally designed to make a difference in the lives of disabled veterans. So we're going to talk to Elena Centilli at 3 o'clock today, live in studio, and I can't wait to see what she has to say. Uh, that being said, we got a triple dipper full of stuff, though, so we'll hit it now. The Triple Dipper. Three stories you've got to know. That's right, the Triple Dipper. Three stories, three themes, if you will, that you have got to know as we run today's show. So number one, the culture wars. Now, this is different than talking about Adventures in Woke World. This is This is the culture wars. This is... Like there's a basically there's a there's a tweet that went out by Marjorie Taylor Greene that has been making waves in the last few days where she flat out says we need a national divorce. What? Yeah. She says we need a divorce between the red states and the blue states. What I don't know what she's talking about. We'll we'll break it all down, but here's the thing. The culture wars, they're real. And we're gonna talk about those in detail. Number one on the triple dipper. Number two, battle buddies. So, yeah, we're going to talk to uh, Elena Centilli. We're going to find out more about Dovetail Landing and about the things that are out there, by the way, to help our veteran community in general. I mean, i got some information that if you, if you need to know how to find a resource, believe me, the resources are there, and we want to steer you to them. So, yeah, Battle Buddies, number two on the Triple Dipper. And then number three, got to do it. Got to do it. Different from number one, it's number three, Adventures in Woke World, because, man, I got some stuff some of which will curl your hair, some of which will make you mad. You'll want to throw something at the radio, and then you'll laugh at the next one. So, yeah, Adventures in Woke World, number three on the Triple Dipper. All right, so let me, let me jump over to my comments. The news broke yesterday that President Joe Biden made a surprise trip to Ukraine. All right, I got some thoughts on that, good and bad, pro and con. I'll share those in just a minute. But before I do that, though, let me set the stage by telling you about my granny's house. Okay, yes, I know that was quite a switch, but you'll see why in just a minute. 
So like a lot of kids, I loved spending time as I grew up at my grandparents' house. On my mom's side, it was in Huntsville, with my grandparents on her side being retired Army. My maternal grandfather was a retired general officer, and they didn't live large, but they lived well. Granddaddy had a bass boat. He had his hobbies. On my dad's side, my grandfather was a retired steelworker, but he only got the joy about five years of his retirement before he passed away. He and my granny, they lived in a small two-bedroom, one-bath house in an older section of West Birmingham called Wylam. They had built that house in the 40s, and they lived there until the day they died. It didn't even have indoor plumbing at first. My dad was raised in that house, and I grew up running barefoot around the streets and backyards around Memphis Street and Wylam every chance I got. And my granny, like I said, she didn't have much, but I didn't know it. I didn't know it because it didn't show. She was on a fixed income. I found out one day when I was a teenager that she was actually getting government assistance. She called it government cheese. But she always had candy in that special drawer in the kitchen, and she always had us mark what we wanted for Christmas in the Sears Roebuck or J.C. Penney's catalogs. She made the best fried okra, Mississippi mud cake, and the porch was always swept. There was never, ever a sense of lack, and she was never put out for visits. I don't recall her ever going on a vacation or jumping on a plane to anywhere. My granny was raised in the hard scrabble south during the Depression era as one of seven kids. Everybody in the house growing up did what was needed to put food on the table. They took care of what they had. They took care of each other. You see, that was the reason that I didn't know that my granny didn't have much because of how well she took care of what she had and how much she loved those who were in her life. And I learned from that. I learned that you can be dirt poor and you can still sweep that dirt and you can take care of what you got and love on who's with you. It's about stewardship. It's about priorities. My granny knew that being responsible with what you had and caring for those you love had to be in place before you could effectively do well for others. So having said all of that now, let me get back to the issue of President Biden going to Ukraine. He did. He made a surprise visit to the war zone. On the one hand, good for him. He'd better. I mean, we're sending literally billions of dollars of aid and weaponry to the people of Ukraine. And as such, I would expect no less from the president who keeps writing checks for more aid. And truthfully, I do want Ukraine to win. I believe that one of the worst things that could possibly happen to world world order would be for an empowered Russia run by a former Soviet KGB agent to be allowed to simply occupy ground in another sovereign nation simply because they feel like it. But here's the problem with Biden's state visit to Ukraine. It's tone deaf. It's insensitive to his first mission. His constitutional mandate to protect and defend the people who allegedly elected him and even those who didn't right here on U.S. soil. Should Biden go to Ukraine? Sure, why not? But at the right time. Supposedly, a president of the United States could walk and chew gum at the same time. I get it. He can do foreign policy and domestic policy all at one time. But his visit to Kiev comes on the heels of multiple catastrophes at home that he so far appears either unwilling or incapable of addressing. Catastrophes he doesn't even want to talk about, much less show up in person to deal with. Let's walk through a few. We just had the embarrassing debacle of allowing a Chinese spy balloon to fly the length and breadth of the entire United States, an event that resulted in no less than four separate sorties of combat aircraft shooting down objects in the sky over North America. And the president took days to deliver even the most tepid of remarks about it all. And to this date, we still don't have any real information about what exactly was shot down. That's an attack against a foreign entity in our airspace by the U.S. military right here at home. But he's in Kiev. How about last week? Last week in the days and in the days since, we've also been watching as the story of East Palestine, Ohio, plays out in real time. 
as a train carrying the most toxic of chemicals derailed and a combination of bad ideas resulted in the town being inundated with noxious and potentially dangerous chemicals. Fish are dying in the creeks. Chickens are dying in the yards. Children are sick in their homes and the townspeople are beside themselves. And to this point, to this point, the president of the United States has nothing at all to say about it. He even denied federal disaster assistance at first, and he has yet to send his transportation secretary to look things over, much less pay a visit himself. But hey, he's in Kiev. Yesterday, I spent some time unpacking the fentanyl crisis that has swept our nation over the past few years. Law enforcement is overwhelmed, and over 100,000 U.S. citizens have died from fentanyl-related overdoses. It's an epidemic, but it's tangible. It's targetable. You can see it. There's no need to figure out a vaccine or run trials or get FDA approval to fix this one. No, it's a chemical derived almost entirely in China and manufactured almost entirely in Mexico, and it's put together in drug labs right there south of our border that we can locate if we want to. And it's killing more Americans than any terrorist organization ever dreamed of. But the president of the United States barely mentioned it in his State of the Union address. But hey, he's in Kiev. And while we're on that fentanyl issue, we have to also address that southern border the border that's almost not a border now. Under the Biden administration, the numbers of known illegal crossings have exceeded 5 million. That means, break it down, that means, y'all, that the population of the United States has grown 1.5% just on illegal entries. A percentage of the nation has grown because of illegal entries. Border communities are being overwhelmed. Human trafficking is at an epic level. And it's said now that every state is a border state. But the president... He won't even mention it, won't address it in any meaningful way. And it took him even two years to make a trip down to the southern border. And his administration has even sued every true border state that has tried to stem the flow of illegal entries. But hey, the president had time to go to Kiev. You see, the question is not whether or not the president should have made a trip to Kiev. The question is whether or not he's doing enough to sweep the floors and take care of stepping out into a foreign conflict. Is he being a good steward of what he's been given the opportunity to lead? Are the people of this country, his sovereign mandate for care and concern, are they being cared for in a manner that indicates that he knows where his priorities are? The people of East Palestine, Ohio, don't think so. The people in the southern border communities, they don't think so. I'm going to tell you right now, if my granny were here, she'd likely tell him in no uncertain terms he'd be best served to learn how to sweep his own porch before going over to somebody else's house to sweep theirs. That's a wrap for the right side way. Well, there you have it, and, and, I, and I mean that with all sincerity. I'm fine with the President of the United States going to a nation where we are supplying billions in aid. I'm fine with that. It's the manner in which he does it and the manner in which he refuses to sweep his own porch right here at home. It's the lack of stewardship over what we're seeing here in the United States where crisis after crisis remains virtually unaddressed, and yet he takes a quick trip to the far side of the world to visit another country and discuss how best to help their situation. Folks, I'm going to tell you, he'd better learn how to do both. He'd better learn how to sweep his own porch. Bill Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, hey, uh, I got to... I got to tell you, we were just sitting here talking off the air. So if you if you if you've been keeping up with the news, I mean, so like I'm talking about y'all, this is big news. So Boomer's little man tried out for baseball last week. Boomer's little man got picked up. He did. Got drafted first round. Drafted. That's what I'm saying. He drafted up. He's gonna Here be a go. tiger. He's gonna be a tiger. Tell him. Tell him what he asked you. Tell he, him. He tell said, him. "Dad." Do we? He didn't ask they, you sad now. <laughs> Don't try to make a sad voice out of it. He said, Dad, are we going to be called the Auburn Tigers? I said, no, son. No, son, you're not. It's okay. <laughs> See, that's just right. See, that's just good. He's, he immediately went in his mind to where he needed to go, the Auburn Tigers. <laughs> He went, he went straight for it. I said, well, maybe you're still going to have Abby as your mascot. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> Digging it. Well, that's good. Is he excited though? Oh man, he's so excited. He's ready. <laughs> that's as good. You know, and it was so funny is when we when we got him out there um, for the tryout. You know, he had just sweats on, some tennis shoes. Yeah. He had uh, like a his little, you know, red and blue toy mitt. <laughs> so we uh we totally played him down for his tryout. <laughs> totally played him down. You know he's a ringer. Oh, yeah, but we wanted it to be like, whoa, look at that kid. I mean, he comes from an athlete family. And you, you, you've probably been, like, feeding him, like, growth hormones since he was 12 months old or we something. Did, we did tell him, hey, buddy, it's about time for you to start watching Rocky because, you yes. know, he eats, he eats raw eggs. Yes. And Rudy. <laughs> and Rudy. Gotta watch Rudy. Gotta watch Rudy. All right, let's think about this. All right, real quick, on the air, we're going we're gonna to spitball it out loud. What movies... Would you want your sons to watch Ooh. to learn life the way you'd want them to know it? So, okay, we got we got Gotta Rocky. Text that in. I, I, I want to know. Yeah, Rocky, Rocky, Rudy. Rudy. What else? Well, uh, eventually, Gladiator and Patriot. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh. and and maybe Tombstone. Yes, A little shooting going on in Tombstone, but nonetheless, That's right? You know, the, um, I, I, I'm just we're, we're gun friendly here. We're gun friendly. <laughs> Daggum. 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 Oh, that's good stuff. All right. Hey, the text lines are open, by the way. By the way, if you want to text in what movie Boomer should make sure his little man watches. I'm going to make a list. Ah, we're going to make a list. That's we're, right. We're going, to, we're, going to have the, we're going to have the man movies. Like yes. The ones that basically – and by the way, don't, don't, don't send us something that you wouldn't want your son to watch. Thank right. you very much. I'm right. just saying send us that one that actually teaches the life lessons that you want them to have. Um, and they can That's be right. like, I, you know what? There's some lighthearted ones we mentioned yesterday, Sandlot. Oh, he's already watched Sandlot. He loves See? it. Sandlot's huge. He loves it. At first, he was a little nervous yeah. about Hercules. Yeah. But then he was like, okay, Hercules is okay. All right. Yeah, the dog. So yeah, the dog. He, he's all about dog. it now. All right. Uh, text him in. That's cool. <laughs> oh, Sandy from Harvard's already texted in Braveheart. Oh, yes. Uh, there you go. There you go. Um, 833-687-4448. That's the text line. You can also call that line, 833 833- Six eight right. That's the number. Um, and I had a bunch of texts too that started dropping in right after that monologue I just did. So let me go back and try to scan <laughs> some of those and see what we got here. Um, Jeff from uh, Green Hill, Alabama. Uh, he says uh, Trump warned about China and Russia teaming up, and Trump was called crazy. Yep, yeah, yeah. What do you think now? That's exactly right. Um, man, Kimball from Harvest. Uh, if my text line will actually cooperate, here we go. He says, we should not be surprised at the president's ineptitude, tone, deafness, and ideology. Everyone knew who Joe Biden was well before and during his presidential campaign. This is who he is. Kimball from Harvest. Uh, Mike from Eva. We cannot expect Biden to clean up anything. I can't think of one thing this administration has improved. Uh, you and I agree, Mike. Um, John from Huntsville. Uh, 
What's he? He wants me to go eat at a restaurant. <laughs> call grandmother's house. That's got to be good food if it's called grandmother's house. Um, thanks, John. Let's we'll check that out. Uh, Gary from Decatur. I think he's talking about a movie, Shane. Was it called Shane or was it called? Um, oh, I thought it was called something else. Not Twelve O'clock High. It wasn't Twelve O'clock High, was it? No, Twelve O'clock High was a war movie. Uh, high Noon. High Noon. Was it High Noon? Maybe it was called Shane. Uh, good on you. Uh, we got a new texter on the line, Jim from Huntsville. Jim, we appreciate you. We're putting your name into the system here, and he says a good movie for a young man is Secondhand Lions. I love that movie. Oh, that's a great Have you seen that one? That's a great movie. Secondhand Lions is awesome. Yes. All right, that's a perfect one. All right, Jim from Huntsville, uh, you win so far, but uh, they're all good. But, yeah, Secondhand Lions is mm. just – I mean, I love – by the way, I love Robert Duvall no matter what. I mean, I'm trying to think of a movie I didn't like Robert Duvall in. Lonesome Dove. Open range. open range. Have you seen Open Range? Open Range. See, my testosterone is just expanding right now as we speak. My, my <laughs> testosterone levels are increasing simply by naming these movies. Secondhand Lions is awesome. Yes. Uh, Jeff from Indiana texted in and says, I think too many kids have been watching the Rocky Horror Picture Show instead of Rocky itself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's awful. Uh, JT from Lacey Springs says, Quickly Down Under. That was a good one. Ooh, I like Quigley. Yes. Quigley. Man, that made me want to be a sharpshooter. I've always liked Tom Selleck no matter what. Yes. But, I mean, yeah, Tom Selleck, Quigley Down Under, good mm. stuff. Um and, and JT from Lacey Springs says, your granny's a true example of not having the best things but making the best things of what she had. That's Thank you. Thank you, JT. I appreciate that. He says, you may now skip Woke World. <laughs> <laughs> the comments of Basement Joe have been PO'd me enough already, he says. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, Jeremy from Huntsville on the movie Red Dawn. Wolverines. Mm. Yeah. Excellent. The original Red Dawn, not the remake. Original. The original. original yes. The original Red Dawn. Yeah. Uh, Rita from Scottsboro, Field of Dreams. Oh, that was a good one. And see, he's a baseball guy, too. Yeah. Is this is this heaven? No, it's Iowa. Okay, yeah, that's, that's a good movie. Michael from Athens, we were soldiers, early as they're ready and often. So, yeah. Soon as Pax is ready for that kind of fighting movie, I mean, first of all, it's a true story. Well, we're going to come over. But, okay. We'll come over and watch it. Let's do it. With Uncle Phil. Let's do it. I like it. I'll, I'll, I'll Yeah. <laughs> it's a great movie, and it's wow. got it's got Sam Elliott too. Which, by the way, your testosterone goes up anytime Sam Elliott's in a movie too. Yep. He says, "Sir, Sergeant Major, you're gonna need you a long gun, sir. I need a long gun. There'll be plenty of them laying on the ground." Awesome. All right, folks. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back. Side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. And 
We are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, and just plain right. I'm talking about we covered down on some ground across the great state of Alabama, from way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back to Gaston parts of Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi, thrown in just for good measure. Uh, the text lines blew up on this movie thing, Boomer. What? What? So the question was, what movie would you want your son to watch because there's something to gain from it? And uh, like uh, Rita from Scottsboro did say, Field of Dreams. Sandy from Harvest, interesting one, Zulu. Um, I think it's called Zulu Dawn or Zulu, I forgot which, but yeah, it's the Battle of Rourke's Drift, true story. Mm-hmm. They still teach that battle at West Point, my understanding. Wow. Um, uh, that's a great movie. That's the one I think that started Michael Caine. Um, uh, Roger from Ardmore says, True Grit, the original. Yes. Fill your hands. I won't say the rest of it, but that was a, that's one of my favorite movie scenes of all time. Uh, Jim from Huntsville, what did he say? Jim from Huntsville, uh, Secondhand Lions, he said it. I already got that one. Mm-hmm. Somebody said Little House on the Prairie. We don't have a name or where they're from. Little House on the Prairie? I would not have thought of this, but you know what? There was character. Was character. There was character. You know, uh, Tom from um, Huntsville, he called in and said his was The Last Samurai. Ooh. The Last Samurai. Yeah, builds character. It does build It's The Last Samurai. By the way, so I have a theory. All What's right? that? The Last Samurai is basically Dances with Wolves in Japan. That's what it is. You know what? <laughs> Think about it. You're right. The Last Samurai. So Dances with Wolves, U.S. soldier, winds up becoming, you know, uh, basically enamored and, and, and immersed into the culture of the the the, 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 the Native Americans in that, that, that particular movie. And then turns against the military uh, in the, as the movie progresses. Same thing in Last Samurai. Same thing, by the way, wow. in Avatar. Avatar oh. is nothing but the uh, the dances with wolves on another planet. That's all that is. On a different planet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else we got? Bama Grant. Bama from Grant. Or was it Bama Grant? Bama, anyway, Bama <laughs> from Huntsville says, not Porky's. No, we're not watching this. Kids are not going to watch. No, that's not going to happen, man. That, that is that is No. Um, where are we at next? Saving Private Ryan, Dustin from Hazel Green. JT from Lacey Springs uh, says, any non-woke Disney like Old Yeller? Yeah. Old Yeller. Yep. I got another mm. one said Big Fish. They didn't give us their name. Uh, Jamie from Hartzell, Open Range. I do agree. Open Range. Open Range. Great lines. Things like, uh, there's going to be men killed here today, Sue, and I'm going to be the one killing them. I mean, well, how, how do you argue with a line like that? Mm. Um I, I, I can't even keep up. I, I, I know. <laughs> There's so many. There's so many. I mean, the texts are just flowing in. Oh, Bryant from Huntsville, one of my all-time favorites, <gasps> The Book of Eli. Yes. I actually just watched that the other night again. Did you really? I love it. That's one of those that if it's on, Charlene knows if I'm flipping the channels and I see it, <laughs> I have to pause. <laughs> You're stopping right there. Because it might be at the scene where he fights him off in the bar. It might be. Oh. i, I got to be there if that's what it, you know? Just got to, hey, just mm. saying. Um. I can't even stop doing this. One of my all-time favorite movies. I've actually taught leadership using this movie. Alex from Elkmont, The Last Castle. You ever seen that? Yes. Robert Redford. Man. I mean, I actually use that movie to teach leadership. Ah, oh, I'm good movie. I'm totally blowing off the dippers right we, now. We are. It's right, Pax's let me get busy. fault. So. <laughs> we are not blaming things on my nephew. No, we're not. All right. So, hey, let me do this. Number one of the Triple Dipper, Culture Wars. All right. I am. This is not Woke World, per se. Woke World can play into it. But here's the thing. The Culture Wars. So just some terminology. Uh, you, you hear people all the time talk about dealing with matters of public policy or dealing with things that are, you know, fiscal in nature. You know, they're talking about finances or tax cuts or whatever else. 
But the, 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 the realm of public policy that deals with the things that go straight to the heart a lot of times, that deal with stuff that deals with values, is often called culture wars or cultural battles. And the culture wars have become far more pronounced in recent years. I mean, like in my lifetime, I don't know that I've, and I granted we had the turbulent 60s. We had the, you know, the stuff happening in the 70s. The 80s was called hedonistic, um, you know, whatever. But I don't think I've ever seen such an attack on traditional values like what we're seeing here in the last few years. And it's everything from critical race theory to transgenderism to the LGBTQ uh, plus 2IA whatever agenda to, um, you know, uh, looking at uh, education and whether or not teachers should be, you know, sexualizing small children as opposed to just teaching them reading, writing, and arithmetic. It's, it's the things that we care about that are more like kitchen table issues. Now, granted, we don't not care about finances. We don't not care about tax cuts. But here's the thing. We are seeing more and more the attacks on values, they're resonating with the people. They're resonating more than they ever have before. I would say, too, that in the past, it used to feel more like the left would grab hold of the cultural issues more than the right would. Or at the very least, the right would do it, but they would balance themselves with, well, we've got to have some strong fiscal policy. What we're finding now is the polls are beginning to show that the right side of voting no pun intended for our show, the right side of voting is more and more increasingly becoming very in tune with the idea of needing and wanting candidates who will run for office that will stick to their guns on the culture war issues. I mean, it's everything. It's, it's sometimes it's little stuff. Like Tucker Carlson has been having making hay out of what happened with uh, M&M's, their little spokes candies, I mean, <laughs> which I thought were a great marketing ploy. Never mind the fact that they are, uh, in my opinion, um, a bit cannibalistic because they eat M&Ms too. But anyway, nonetheless, they have been considered too polarizing, apparently, and they've been replaced. They've, you know, it, we're looking at things like the non-binary Mr. Potato Head, the woke Scooby-Doo re, remake uh, boot uh, cartoon. And then we got claims now that the, uh, the purple M&M uh, might be gay. I mean, what, can we just stop? And the American public is ready for it to stop. But it's not just the American public. It's, it's, it's worldwide. Here's a story off Politico. Politico? Phil, you went to Politico? Yes. Yes, I did. Politico has a piece that came out just a few days ago. Y'all, I'm just telling you, culture wars are mattering on a regular daily basis, even in the public arena in other countries. It's not just here. Nicola Sturgeon. Nicola Sturgeon. She was the first minister of Scotland. And the, the manner in which the UK is in the United Kingdom is, is you know, set up politically. Uh, the national government has the final say on things. But the, you know, English, I mean, the, the England, Scotland, Wales, they, 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 they have their ministers. And the first minister of Scotland, Nicola Sturgeon, was very liberal, extremely liberal, very woke, began to move more and more to demanding that the laws be changed to address what she referred to as legally changing genders. And she did. She, she and her party managed to get it through that there was going to wind up being, um, you know, transgenderism would be considered the, the, the way of, the, of, of Scotland. And the U.K. government finally had to announce it was blocking some of those reforms, saying that they were incompatible with wider U.K. law. Well, that created all the thing. And then, and then the scandal happened. 
because of her policies, Nicola Sturgeon's policies, a scandal happened when a violent rapist convicted of two rapes, a man, obviously, decided he was a woman and her policies were having him placed in a female prison. And the, and the public suddenly woke up and the first minister of Scotland resigned. That's where we are in the culture wars. People are, ha- are, are, are having enough. It's one thing to say that you, you want to go and live a lifestyle. It's another thing to force that lifestyle upon everybody else in complete contravention of their values and their mores, their desires, and even their personal safety. Well, I got a piece here from National Review. It's, it's, it's really, it's very solid. Um, and it talks about a new poll that came out. This, this, this came out just, uh, what, five days ago. National Review. GOP voters confirm that culture wars are not a sideshow, meaning this is, this is a big part of what we care about now. This is, this is, this is, this is real. So the so-called culture wars have long been relegated to the position of lesser or second-class issues among some conservative elites, like an unserious or at least, you know, sort of secondary level of attention. The culture war was often considered to be a distraction, and people like Jonah Goldberg would write things and say, literally their headline would say, the culture wars are a distraction. Mitch Daniels, the former Republican governor of Indiana, he once urged a truce on the so-called social issues so they could focus on the budgets. Like, social issues don't matter. Well, they do. And the new study that came out by a group called the American Principles Project, it polled over 1,000 Republican voters. And this is an advocacy group. They're, they're, a, they're a conservative, culturally-oriented, you know, right-wing group. But the poll surveyed 1,000 people. And that's a, that's a large base, by the way, to, for a poll. The poll went to 1,000 different respondents who came back showing significant, what they call significant GOP voter enthusiasm for doing things like banning same-sex medical procedures on minors, 76%. Prohibiting biological males from competing in girls' sports, 69%. Requiring age verification measures for pornographic websites, 86%. All this reaffirms, the article says, that there's a culture war hawkishness right now on the right that we're sick and tired of watching our values be thrown away, that we are literally ready to have a candidate who will not just talk to us about tax relief and saving Medicare, and those things are important. We want to know that someone will go to D.C. and not just talk the talk, they'll actually walk the walk when it comes to saving the traditional values that the Republican Party supposedly stands for. Here's a great quote from the article. It says, what this tells us is not that the Republican voters are necessarily left-wing on economics, not at all, but that the primary impulse that drives them to the polls now is a desire to protect their culture, their way of life, that it enshrines from the powerful forces arrayed against us. Folks, I I think that's where we are. I'm going to come right back and kind of wrap that up with a piece from the City Journal. But listen, the culture wars, they're real. Culture wars just took out the first minister of Scotland. Culture wars are polling extremely high. And Republican elected officials would do well to realize that we're not kidding. Yes, we want fiscal conservatism. Yes, we want tax relief. Yes, we want ballast budgets. But by God, we want to save our culture. All right, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. You guys stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, and just plain right. My favorite bump, man. That's just, I think that's it. That's my, I'm going to go and declare it right now. That it's, Of all the bumps we got, man, that all the ones you plug in there, that's my favorite one of all. Um, Black Crows. Woo! Yes. Woo! Woo! I'm like, I got praising hands going right now in the studio with Black <laughs> Crows playing. Is that possible? Yeah, I can hear <laughs> Hey, the text hands. lines are still blowing up. I'm going to finish up this Triple Dipper uh, uh, piece on Culture Wars in a minute, but I got to tell you, we're, getting, we're still getting tons of movies. I mean, so the, the, the oh, question yeah. we asked earlier just off the cuff was, what movie would you want your son to watch because of the life lessons it brings? Um, and I don't know that some of these should ever be shown to a child, <laughs> but uh, there's some great ones in here. Um, golly bum. What else have I got? I, mean, where, where did I, go? I had one a minute. Oh, yeah. Roger from Ardmore has Kingdom of Heaven. You're seeing that one? Yeah. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. Um, JT from Lacey Springs is pushing me for a three-dipper day. We'll see if it happens. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. Apollo 13, Dustin from Hazelgreen. Mm-hmm. That was Houston. We have a problem. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a good one. Barry from Gunnersville. I'd forgotten about this movie, The Last of the Dogmen. You ever seen that one? I, uh, have I, I? I think I have. Yeah, I, yes, that was that was a great movie where they they find uh, a uh, a group of Sioux warriors who had escaped into the back mountains uh, of, of, yes. of the Rockies. I think. Yes, they, yes, yes, yeah, yes. The Last of the Dogmen. That was a good movie. Tom Berenger, I believe, was in it. Mm. Um, why do I know yeah, that? Apparently, I'm a quite like, the you movie know the, the names of the people. I'm like, wow, I, I just do well to remember the movie, not the actors. Uh, John from Huntsville, <laughs> Chariots of Fire. That is a good mm. one. Absolutely a good one. You know what we should do? What are you going to do? Is, uh, there's, there's been a few people asking, hey, you're going too fast reading off the list. I'm going to make a post on our Instagram page. It's just Right Side Radio, guys. Right Side Radio, at Right Side Radio. Okay? I'm going to make a post. And if you don't mind... Put this on. Put it under the comments so everybody can see it. Yeah. Everybody wants to know this. Yeah, we'll throw a few of them on there that we've yeah. already gotten. It's a good idea. And then, yeah, so if, you, if you're on Instagram or know somebody who is, yeah, we're on all the social media. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, at Sin, that's S-E-N, at Sin Phil Williams. You got Instagram, Right Side Radio. You got Facebook, Right Side Radio. Uh, our website, you can find links to all of them, rightsideradio.org. All that's there. Yes. Um, all right, hey, let me jump back to this last article I got. So I don't know if you saw this or not. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, never one known for being shy. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, the uh, um, uh, very conservative uh, congresswoman from Georgia, she put out a post the other day. In fact, I'm looking at it right now, as a matter of fact. She says, we need a national divorce. We need to separate by red states and blue states and shrink the federal government. Everyone I talk to says this, she said. From the sick and disgusting woke culture issues shoved down our throat to the Democrats' traitorous America last policies, we are done. That's hurt. Now, okay, I will say this. I don't agree. Do I want to fix stuff? Do I want to see more red states fighting culture war issues for conservative values? Yes. Do I want to see a true divorce? No. Do I think she's totally legitimately serious? No, I don't think she's legitimately serious. But, you know, her choice of words has created a firestorm on social media. But I got an article here that came out on City Journal in July of last year. And it says, it's called The Culture War Between the States. It says, for decades, states have now competed against one another for businesses by touting their local economic advantages like taxation or development incentives or workforce quality or regulatory policy, and we have. It says, occasionally, states would also pitch themselves to firms on more general principles like quality of life, schools, infrastructure. 
Now it says the battle for the jobs and for wealthier residents has taken a new turn, and it's reflecting the increasingly intense culture wars playing out in America. Governors, it says, and it's true. I'll, I'll, I'll read some examples here in a minute. Governors of Democrat-led states are pitching businesses based on social issues like we have access to abortion or transgender rights or voting laws. And blue state officials are hoping to actually lure firms that object to red state legislation. That is so interesting to me, but it's so true because you're watching, like, here's the example. Classic, the guy who we believe is going to probably run for president on the Democrat ticket, California Governor Gavin Newsom. He did a video last year. Forging a new model for what America is going to look like, he called it. And he says freedom's under attack by Republican leaders in states like Florida. Banning books, restricting speech, <laughs> whatever. He says, I urge all of you to join us in California where we still believe in freedom, freedom of speech and freedom to choose. And he went on and on. Okay. It didn't stop there, though. So New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy, another Democrat declared that the Dobbs decision that overturned Roe v. Wade on abortion was going to have a chilling effect on your ability to attract and retain top female talent if you're located in a state that doesn't recognize women's reproductive freedoms. Mm. Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont went down that road, says that basically we have to protect reproductive rights for all so that we can have good customers and employees. Mm. But Republicans are punching back. So you've seen DeSantis... He, he'll, he'll call them out in a heartbeat when they say something like that. He did. Uh, Georgia Governor Brian Kent. Now, I have not seen much out of um, uh, Republican Governor Kay Ivey in Alabama, uh, but Georgia Governor Brian Kemp said of the Murphy letter, he said a sitting governor wouldn't be spending his time making this type of a desperate outreach if business was booming in his state. <laughs> and that's true. I mean, the epic loss of, of you know, revenue and citizens – is happening in the blue states. So the blue states are now lashing out at the red states. But they're not just recruiting on, hey, it's a great place to set up your business. They're lashing out on the culture war issues. And folks, I'm going to tell you, it matters. It matters. We have got to make sure that we have candidates who are willing to go to battle on the culture war issues. Candidates who are willing to not just say, I'm a fiscal conservative and I'm pro-life. They've got to be willing to stand up to the transgender agendas, critical race theory in schools, you know, not take a knee when Black Lives Matter says they have to, and, and literally stop the woke policies in our military. It's time for culture warriors. And that's number one of the Triple Dipper. All right, you guys, stay tuned. we got a great interview coming up in studio. Battle Buddies coming up next. Y'all stay tuned. side ruffians out there you are listening to right side radio solid conservative you're listening live to right side radio with bill williams it's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side right side radio solid conservative and just plain right (laughs) 
Alabama syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, hour number two already. Local, state, national. We cover down on all the issues. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, I'm not sure how it's already hour number two. But remember, that just like flew by. I know. I don't get it. But anyway, it must mean we're having a good time. Yes, sir. Um, Hey, listen, we have somebody in studio right now. This is, I'm already, I'm already bracing myself because this just, Talking to Elena Centilli during the break is already starting to run my emotions, but um, Elena Centilli is here in studio, and she is the mother of Daniel, a young Marine, Daniel Centilli, uh, who served in Afghanistan. He did. Um, and, uh, and came home with his own injuries, and, uh, and she has a story. And, and you know, this show, I, I've said more than once that this show is, 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 is supposed to be bigger than just me sitting here talking about politics or whatever else. I want to make sure this show does every day uh, what I, I call the four E's, that we're going to educate, enlighten, empower, and entertain people about things that are going on in the world around them, what it means to walk as a conservative in today's world, and also, by the way, to hear the stories of real people who live around you who are doing things that are bigger than themselves. And one of those is Elena Centilli, um, who I just became aware of most recently uh, through a mutual friend, Greg mm-hmm. Rains. Um, and uh, Elena, welcome to Right Side Radio. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're, we're excited you're here. Uh, I, you've got the tissues over there. I may I need them. one here in a moment. <laughs> but, hey, l- let me just start with this. Um, you are working tirelessly right now uh, on, on a, a, an issue related to veterans and veterans' care and, and veteran support. But tell us how it all started. Well, how it all started was our son, Daniel, Um, me and my husband, Pat. Uh, Daniel always wanted to be a Marine. Mm. He uh, he was so it was just who he was. And um, young, you know, wants to go join, do his part, excited to be deployed. Um, Couldn't get there fast enough because in his mind, that was proven something that he had gone to do that. So um, us scared to death for him, but, you know, right there with him through the whole whole process. And um, he had been in Afghanistan 10 months. He was... Can I ask what year that was? 2012. Okay. Um, he had been there almost 10 months. He was the machine gunner in the lead Vic. That's what they call it. I, I just learned the terminology from him. But uh, Daniel was a really good shot. Him and his dad always hunted. So he got... Not that I was thrilled about it, but he got put in the lead car. So he, like I said, was about a month from coming home. And we didn't know this, but he had already been hit with a couple of IEDs. And um, I was at work. It was May 10th. And I got a message on Facebook. And it was Daniel. He was in a hospital somewhere in Afghanistan. He had, you know, we hadn't been contacted or nobody knew anything. And um, he sends me a message. He's like, are you sitting down? And I'm like, I mean, I knew he was talking, so I was like, and I was like, yes. And uh, he proceeds to tell me what happened. Um, They hit the IED, and it knocked him completely out. Mm. So they brought the helicopters in, um, took him somewhere nearby to a hospital in Afghanistan, and they were sending him on to Germany. Okay. Um, Daniel came home from that with uh, TBI and PTSD. He wasn't discharged or anything yet. So traumatic brain injury mm-hmm. and PTSD. Okay. And PTSD. Right. And we um, we began that journey. He was home for a little while, but um, he had to go back to Lejeune. And um, he had some problems over the next couple of years. I knew stuff, different things were going on with him. But um, 
I finally got to somebody that told me they had run a test and there was a, a mass on his brain. So he stayed in the core for a while. Mm -hmm. Okay. He was, you know, undeployable and, you know, they were just giving him jobs right. to do. So um, we got a call that there was something going on with his brain. He was starting to feel numbness in his right arm. And um, they sent him to Duke University because they didn't have the equipment to do the test there at Lejeune. So... I jump in the car and I head to Lejeune because I wouldn't. We weren't going to let him be up there alone and have that kind of test. So they ran the test, and that afternoon um, they said he's got to have brain surgery tomorrow. Wow! And um, there was a mass and a, a cyst of some sort, and um, I had to get my husband flown up there. Marine Corps flew him up there, and um, within 24 hours he was undergoing brain surgery. And I'll never forget that. Um, they told us, they said, we're going to have to wake him up. I'm sorry. <laughs> During this surgery. And I was like, holy crap. I'm like, and Dana was so strong. I was like, he'll flip him off the table. So they I've had a seen tunnel. pictures. He was a big kid. He was a big guy. Yeah. And they had a, a sheet and a tunnel vision. And they had a Marine Corps doctor that was looking at him and woke him up during the surgery because they had to make sure where they were cutting. And that was the only thing that kept him calm was seeing that Marine during that surgery. And so he, we got through the surgery. They sent us home within 24 hours. And we, um, he went through his six, eight weeks home with us, and he seemed okay. It was still the same struggles we'd had with the PTSD and the TBI and the, everything that comes with that, the dreams, um, but Daniel went back to Lejeune, still kind of going through the same thing. The medical, you know, they had found him things that he could do. And, um, he called me or caught me, called me and his dad. And he was like, there's aliens trying to get me. And, uh, it scared him so bad. He, he threw his telephone in the toilet bowl. Well, being the parents and worried to death, like we were, I knew something was going on. And, um, I called his CO and I said, something's going on, Daniel. Something's wrong. And, um, of course, they bring him in. They give him every kind of drug test on demand because they think yeah. it's drugs. Can and, I ask you, was he living in the barracks at the time? Was he living yes. in? Okay. Mm -hmm. so he's he was still there. All right. And um, he was in, well, and he was in Wounded Warrior, okay. the, the east side over there. Okay. So um, they ran every test, couldn't find anything wrong. Couldn't find it, you know, and kept going through this. Well, it seemed to level off. It seemed to get better. And uh, my husband and I were in Michigan visiting family, and we got a call from a doctor at Lejeune and said that they found Daniel walking down the road um, in his underwear, said he was going to meet Jesus. He was walking to Alabama, and he was just completely. And um, from there, they entered him into the psych ward at Camp Lejeune. And, um, of course, we freak out, not sure, scared to death, not sure what's happening because you know, you're dealing with the military, you're dealing with military doctors, you're dealing with... And it's your boy. And it's our child, you know, so we're scared. And um, we uh, start about a six-week thing with the hospital there at Lejeune and them telling me they don't know what's wrong with him. And one night, Daniel was on the phone, and I could tell he was he was asking us to come get him, basically. And, and you know, Pat was so upset, and it was like... Um, he couldn't hardly talk, though, so I knew something was wrong. Well, then the doctors tell me, we really don't know what's wrong with him. So at that point, I had had enough. And I get the governor involved, state senator in North Carolina, 
everybody and their mother that I could call. And um, I got the Air Force to medevac him out of that hospital. Mm. When he got to Portsmouth, which, which is where they flew him because I wanted a second opinion, um, they, uh, he was in ICU for a week. Wow. Because they medicated him so much with Seroquel and everything else that they could possibly give him. Um, he couldn't talk. He couldn't swallow. He was drooling out of the side of his mouth. And luckily, God had his hand on him, I think, because we met a doctor there. His name was Dr. Munn. And he had seen cases like Daniel's before. Basically, the, the brain surgery was just another brain trauma, which the neurosurgeon told me that it wasn't possible. But this had caused Daniel to slip into like uh, a sort of a psychiatric, uh, schizophrenic, bipolar. It was just another brain trauma. And so he, had, he was hallucinating auditory, visual, um, hearing things, manic. I mean, you name it, he was going through it. Um, would think he was back in Afghanistan. Um, so he spent about five months in Virginia. We went up several times, you know, just him getting better, him stabilizing himself. Can, can I ask you, do, do we know, was the, uh, was the mass that they operated on, was that in any way related to the injury he sustained in Afghanistan? That's what we were told. Okay. And it's in his medical file okay. that it was caused by that blast. Mm. So then um, November 2016, he comes home. He's all ours. And that's probably one of the scariest moments of my life because there was so much he was dealing with that we didn't understand and we yeah. had never dealt with. So um, Daniel isolated himself. Um, because of his injuries, he couldn't work. He was 100% disabled. And let's be honest, not many employers are going to take that risk, yeah. you know. So he fished. He did a lot of things. But, you know, he had a lot of time on his hands. And so he would self-medicate. He would, like, drink too much. Or he would, you know, trying to escape, I think, the demons that he had. And um, I... We just did our best with him at home, and in doing that, I started to get involved with different groups like the Elizabeth Dole Foundation and um, as like a veteran advocate to figure out ways to help him. Mm. You know, got him to go on several trips, you know, the different things that he could go and bond with other veterans. Well, and uh, we got about a minute before we head to the next break, but uh, Daniel's not with us now. December 2019, Daniel had, um, we had put him in a place in South Florida because there was nowhere in Alabama to send him. After one of the last episodes, um, he was probably 15 mentally at that point because it had just the, all the medication on his brain. And so he came home for a test visit in, two days before Christmas and uh, passed away to sleep. My... <laughs> My husband, Pat, found him. And I'm sorry. Oh, uh, you're good. And it was the worst phone call I ever got. And um, so we just started a couple-year journey trying to heal and try to figure out what was next. Well, what's next is what we're going to talk about in a minute. That's right. <laughs> so... Let's do that. Let's take a break. Give you a chance. Give me a chance. Okay. Um, but I'll be honest with you. 
Mm. The world hadn't seen nothing till they seen a mom get a mission. <laughs> well, I'm on one, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, Boomer, take us to a break right now, man. We'll gather ourselves and be right back. You're, you're listening to Elena Centilli, um, mom of a Marine, and a mom right now. Let me tell you something. With a mission. And you're going to want to hear about this because there's a thing happening right here in your backyard and it's worth knowing about. And all you veterans and folks who care about your military out there, let me tell you, this is happening right here in our listening area and it is so worth knowing about. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. So we are back in studio right now with Elena Centilli. Um, I have had a chance to gather myself up again hearing your story about Daniel. Um, uh, thank you for your son's service, by the way. Thank you for saying that. So you're a mom dealing with a son who has got traumatic brain injury, subsequent surgeries related to the TBI, and then the things that happened because of his service in Afghanistan. And then you lost him, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but during that time, uh, when he was still with you and even in the subsequent, you know, afterwards, uh, I, I would, I would bet just, just knowing you for like 10 minutes here, I would bet that you were the mom who was constantly resourcing, figuring out how best to get involved, who else can help me, who's got something my son can benefit from. And it wasn't all in one place where you could find it, was it? I have, um, people on my Facebook and on my social media now that helped me with Daniel from all over the country because there wasn't anywhere I wasn't going to go. I mean, people from Florida, Arkansas, Washington, D.C., Mississippi. I got a call from Elizabeth Dole not too long ago just checking on me because Daniel really endeared himself to that group. And the Elizabeth Dole Foundation, I, I can't say enough about them. But, no, you're right. There was nowhere I wouldn't go, no one I wouldn't fight, <laughs> no one I wouldn't – you know, it was like – and I think it, just like with the project we're working on, I think people are just like, give her something to make her go away because she will not shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and one of the things that just really just adds, I mean, not that Daniel needs something or you need something to add to your story, but something that just adds gravitas to it is I saw the video and it was the uh, the famous actor, Adam Driver, recounting yours and Daniel's story. Yeah, through, um, like I said, I had really gotten involved in like, being an advocate just for Daniel, for other veterans, you know, you know, Daniel used to tell me what, what do veterans do that don't have a you? Yeah. Because he didn't know because he couldn't have handled a lot of the things that I took on for him because of his injuries. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the Elizabeth Dole foundation honored our family after, um, Daniel passed away and, uh, Adam driver being a Marine, he, uh, he graciously did that. And, uh, like I said, I didn't share that video for a long time after Daniel, passed away it probably took me two years to catch my breath and then I decided it's time I got to work mm. so that's what I'm doing now uh well you're at work and you're 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 pulling together resources and you're building a thing and so we're going to talk about it more after the next break we get back from but but just to, in short right now you're you're looking at putting something together calling a dovetail landing mm-hmm 
that provides not just a physical place, but a resource for veterans and veterans' families and caregivers. And, and tell us your heart on that. Well, Daniel didn't have that spot. That's something he needed to rebuild his independence, to help him transition with what he was going through. We had to send Daniel to Clearwater, Florida, because yeah. there was nothing here, no nothing that was even equipped. And so, you know, I saw the the things that were needed from a family standpoint, you know, from Daniel's standpoint, things that he could have used, things that would have benefited him. And we just don't have it in this state. So coming from that, um, Dovetail Landing was formed this past year in March. Uh, I had about a year ago, I joined the Alabama Veteran Board, Executive Board, which is a, a nonprofit here in the state. They have more, probably one of the largest veterans followings in the state of Alabama, um, their nonprofit. And, you know, I kind of went to them with what my vision was and what I wanted to do. And so we got to work on that last March. We have 60 acres now in Lincoln. Wow. And it's going to be a veterans transition workforce development play. There's, like I said, 60 acres. We're going to have tiny homes, family-sized homes, all the infrastructure they need. Um, We're going to have therapeutic activities, not just giving somebody another pill, because believe me, I think Daniel took enough to kill an elephant yeah. during his time. And that's not always the answer. Um, I think we need to bring them back home and show them, you know, there's a different way. Just like we have a man that wants to come and do foraging. And you're going to have that battle buddy in the tiny home next door yeah. that's going to hold you accountable. It's going to be like a barrack situation. But, yeah, you've got your independence. Uh, that's, 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 that's huge. And you're right. There's, there's, a, there's a lack and, and and one of the things that's that's even frustrating to me uh, as, as a veteran is when someone says, I need to know, where do you find this kind of thing? I have to go then search it out. I would think that I would already know. Um, but, but there are resources, and you're pulling something together. And for those who don't know, Lincoln, the town you're talking about, is up near Talladega. Yes, Talladega uh, County, and, Lincoln, Alabama. And your land is pretty much right off the, uh, off the highway there. It's right it? off the Embry Crossroads exit. Um, there's like It's right at 57 acres, but you, it's about a half a mile off the interstate. You can about hear the NASCAR run from there. You definitely can. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to come right back. I'm going to want you guys to hear in detail about Dovetail Landing. All you folks pay attention out there. This is for the veterans in our community and the caregivers. Uh, and it's being built right in your backyard. And I've seen the videos, and it's pretty amazing. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. You guys stay tuned. We will be right back. Side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. Here we go. 
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. This show covers some major ground across the northern half of the beautiful state of Alabama. I'm talking about going down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back over to Gadsden. And I'm glad we cover that much territory because I need an audience to hear this story. Um, so sitting here in studio with uh, Elena Centilli talking about uh, her son, Daniel, a uh, Marine who, um, who served in Afghanistan. Uh, his injuries uh, eventually uh, took his life uh, over time, uh, and it was a rough go. And you guys as a family, um, uh, I, I agree with Daniel. <laughs> what, yeah. what, what, what do people who don't have you do? Well, um, that's, that's why we want Dovetail to happen. Yeah. Because we can hopefully pull these resources and put them in one location. Um, and we can have things there where you're not calling 15 numbers and you're not being sent here and sent there and call this person and call that person. And everybody that's ever dealt with the VA knows yeah. that. And I, I believe me, I'm not bashing the VA by any means because part of the biggest support I had um, with Daniel was the caregiver support program in Birmingham at the Birmingham VA. Teresa Voller, Gunny Talbot out of Atlanta with Wounded Warrior. They were my lifeline. Mm. And, you know, I found those people and they were there. They're still there. I talked to Teresa last week. I mean, in it, um, they know, they remember what we went through. And, you know, it's like I told them, if I can help somebody else not have to jump through 50 hoops like we did, if I can make that easy for you, if that's all I can do, then that's what I'm going to do. Well, and you guys, um, you, you guys were able to get Daniel to different places. I mean, you, you, you mentioned there was a place down in, in Florida. You mentioned that there was one up in Montana during the break. You told me that he really liked. Um, and, and so I, and, and then you've also, like you said, you've, you've searched out and found different resources and people. So, so now Dovetail Landing. So mm. t- tell me about the genesis of this and, and well, what it's going to be. Um, the city of Lincoln donated 57 acres to Did our they cause. Really? They donated it. Mayor Lou Watson is an angel on this earth, and he's a Vietnam vet. And so when I met him and we told the story and everything, he was just like, I'll get you some land. Where do you want it, basically? How about that? And so— um, He's just, he's amazing. And so he did. It's 57 acres. It has a barn on it right now. It has a seven-bedroom house that will be the headquarters. And um, going to call it, it Daniel's house. It's going to be Daniel's house. Yeah. Because he didn't have his own spot, but he will now. Hmm. And um, we're going to have offices there. We're going to have VA support there. We're going to have project managers kind of that are going to help these vets figure out we're going to do workforce development we're bringing in the skills bridge program from the dod for companies like honda alabama power the railroad um all tech has expressed interest you know like all tech even told us you know like we will get them the vets there they can do 60 to 90 or 90 days to six months training then they can pick a spot anywhere in the country where we have we have that you know we have a place for them to work they can um you know jeff state we're on we're in talks with them about workforce development helping them finish their gi bill you know the 30 homes are going to be there as their support it'll give them a place to stay they're going to have their meals provided even and you know we know there's going to be families with small kids so we're going to have family size homes there's going to be a chapel there is going to be a computer lab we're going to help them build their resumes we're going to have those resources there on site and even for the caregivers because I know it just as well as anybody. That veteran is not serving by himself. Yeah. Daniel's whole family went through this with him, you know, and and meeting other caregivers, you realize they need the support too. We're we're gonna have um some tiny tree houses that are gonna be like respite care. 
We're going to add that in there because I understand what that means. Please take a break. So this is, I mean, this is already underway. I mean, it's not like yeah. this, this is not you saying this is going to happen one day. You guys have already broken ground. <laughs> yeah, Dovetail Landing, you are a 501c3, am I understanding? Alabama Veteran is. Um, okay. Dovetail Landing is an LLC. We're a subsidiary of Alabama Veteran. They're okay. the 5013c. Okay. And uh, and so you guys have already broken ground on this. Thank we you are. to the mayor of Lincoln. How cool is that? There are elected officials out there doing good things. He is doing work, I'm uh, telling you. He is an amazing man. And 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 then... All the different resources still coming together. You told me you've got an overall estimated project budget to build this entire facility of somewhere around $30 million. It's 30 to 40. It's like it kind of fluctuates <laughs> with whoever I'm talking to at the moment. But, yeah, it's it's a big amount of money. And, I, you know, I wasn't sleeping when I first heard that amount. And I have a few extra wrinkles right here on the side of my eyes. But I'm not giving up. And we're going to get this done. Those are smile wrinkles. That's what I'm going to call them that. But, I, <laughs> but uh, we're, we're going to make it happen. We've already got so much interest interest and we've got so much support coming from different places and um you know we're just we're just in this for the long haul so we're going to make it happen between the elizabeth dole foundation which has already spotlighted you mm -hmm. uh and i saw on some of your promotional materials you've got like vulcan materials and others other major corporations that are behind this the cmp we had the civilian marksmanship program greg Rains, who's introduced us together mm -hmm. um we had him in studio and i understand you guys are doing a fundraiser charity shoot out there at we the are. cmp uh, i'm originally from talladega so i like guns so <laughs> i figured what better spot cmp is a fantastic place so if you haven't been out Park, yeah. yeah if you haven't been there you need to go visit but we're having a clay shoot march 18th um it'll be 100 birds 15 stations thousand dollar grand prize you know we want all the vets to come out and register to shoot and come for a, you know a good time we're gonna have some auction items and still looking for sponsorships if anybody's interested well um and, and we'll recap that again before you leave here today but uh let me just do this. So if you're a family out there in a situation like your family has been in, mm -hmm. um, how, like, like, like once you guys are, are open for business and things are happening, what's, what's, what's the deal going to be? Are they going to apply for an opportunity? Do you, do they reach out to you and then, and then come and stay for a period of time? How's that work? We're looking at the program lasting from 90 days to six months. It's all going to depend on what program you're getting the training for and all that. So, you know, we're still fine tuning a lot of this stuff, you know, and at first I was worried. I was like, are we going to be able to fill this? And now I'm worried about how long of a waiting list we're going to have because I've already had so many people reach out and that be like, I know five veterans, this would help right now. Yeah. So it's like, you know, we're going to have them on site. We're going to make them, we're going to find out what kind of training they want, let them know what's available. We're going to get them trained as much as we can and get them back on their feet and transition them and learn how to be a civilian again. Yeah. Look, transition to that because the military is different. It's like, okay, you're not staff sergeant Centilli anymore, but now maybe you're team leader Centilli because that identity goes away. And that's what we have to help them do we have to help them re-identify in a different way yeah and then and also at the same time show them where the resources are that they exactly. can take advantage of. people don't realize we've got things like veterans court and we've got um uh, other uh, uh you know resources through not just the va but you've got 501c3s like your own or still serving veterans out of huntsville or mm -hmm. other organizations that that literally are just there to help you plug in and find a place and just get back on your feet and it's just you know it's just so important i think for us as a society, because, you know, you have the big government agencies, and I think a lot of these vets get lost in this, but, you know, 
we as a people, we just we have to stand up and we have to do something for these guys and we, and these women that have served and that have defended us. And I mean, you know, it's like I just feel like it's my responsibility. Well, and and I, I made a, a, a sort of a, uh, a a notice that you're a mom with a mission a while ago, mm-hmm. but I imagine it's a family with a mission. You got it's all you got other kids too, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, the kids, you know, this has been life changing for all of us. What Daniel went through, losing Daniel, I mean, it has been life changing. And I had one of the state representatives tell me, Elena, this is truly transformational. And you know, it took me back a second because I think I'm so focused on getting it built. But then I caught myself and I think 10 years down the road, we are going to transform some veterans' lives and their families. We're going to do that. We are going to be transformational. And that is what Daniel would want me to do. Well, I I completely agree. And, uh, you know, on behalf of uh, everybody here at Right Side and uh, this huge audience that we've got, I want to thank you for uh, not laying down on the job. Uh, I wouldn't know how. <laughs> no, you wouldn't know how. I can tell already. And, uh, and at the same time, if, if folks want to support what you're doing, if they want to get more information about what you're doing, if they want to show up at that clay shoot, uh, uh, you know, to, to help raise money for what you're doing, give, how do we do that? Alabama Veteran, you can contact the, the website, Alabama Veteran. They have all our contacts. But on social media, we're on there as Dovetail Landing. Our website is not quite ready yet. But if you go to Dovetail Landing on any platform of social media you can contact us um info at dovetaillanding.org um anybody that gets those emails they're going to send you straight to me and you know i'll I'll, you'll get a personal phone call because i'll be on the phone giving you a call back (laughs) well knowing this audience i suspect you're going to get a few phone calls okay um and uh, i'm looking forward to it you are now an official right side ruffian (laughs) well i kind of thought i already had that title (laughs) but okay (laughs) well listen folks you've been listening to elena Santilli, um the mother of a marine and uh, and and truly, God Almighty, a mom with a mission. And uh, I kid you not, if you if you if you haven't done it yet, while we've been talking on the air, you need to get on that Facebook page and look at the master plan of what is already underway right now, uh, to be called Dovetail Landing, uh, down there near Talladega, right here in our listening area, your backyard, doing the right things for the right people for all the right reasons. And uh, Elena, we love you and we appreciate you. Thank you well, very thank much. Thank you for having me so much. Absolutely. All right, Boomer, take us to a break, brother. We'll do that. We'll come right back and keep the show going. Man, how do I do anything after that, Boomer? I have no clue. I'm just going to go ahead and gather myself. All right. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. You guys stay tuned. We will be right back. back phil williams right side radio solid conservative and just plain right so man what what a segment that was boom i mean i just good lord oh i know that that wore me out in a good way you know what i'm saying absolutely Uh, i mean what what they went through but now what they're doing for veterans is going to be absolutely incredible you know it's it's and 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 i don't this is not meant to sound trite whatsoever it's it's not always sometimes about you know 
what you've been through as much as what you do with what you've been through. And man, they're doing something. Mm. And um, I saw where uh, Allie from Athens already texted in. She said, Daniel's house. What a complete blessing. And may God strengthen this family to keep going and doing his work. And totally agree. Um, bunch of texts still coming in about the movie thing, so we'll jump back yeah. on that here in a minute, too, because that's kind of cool. Let me let me wrap that segment up. I, I, I told you this whole segment was going to be called Battle Buddies, and she even used that term. Everybody needs a battle buddy. Um, folks, let me just tell you, if you're not familiar, the like, for instance, the, the veteran suicide rate is, is exponentially higher than non-veteran suicide rates. Um, you can you can take that for what it's worth, but it just is. I mean, right now, the story I've got here that came out uh, September of last year on Fox News says that we are literally looking at 44 veteran suicides a day um, on the average. Um, over 6,000 veterans take their lives every single year. And um, those are statistics that need to be dealt with. I mean, they, 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 they can't be ignored. And some of the things that are out there, people don't even realize are there. For instance, you know, and, and I... Man, what an amazing, what an amazing testimony for Elena that her own son said, "What do people do if they don't have a you?" <laughs> well, what they do is they a lot of times they struggle for the lack of 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 knowing that there are resources available to them. And, and I'm gonna tell you, so one of the one of the coolest things that I got a chance to do when I was in the state senate was to um, to to be one of the, the 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 senate representatives to the Alabama Veterans Court Initiative. And that was, a, it was an opportunity to put together in the legal system to put together a resource-based opportunity for veterans, which is now, I want to say, in something like a dozen counties here in Alabama. Etowah County, where I'm sitting, is one of them. And that Veterans Court Initiative, what it basically does is you, you, it's not uncommon to have someone come into the court system Maybe a criminal charge of some type, or you know something that's that's happened because of you know their 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 mental illness or thing. Anyway, the bottom line is it's not uncommon to have a veteran come into court having no idea that there are resources that can help them. And this veterans court, what they do is they will they will identify those, and they will have a day set aside where there will be a veterans court day, and then they will try to make those cases all come together on the same day. And at the same time, they'll have those resource intensive opportunities personally represented in the courtroom. So if the judge sees an opportunity, he'll say, um, former staff sergeant so-and-so or specialist so-and-so uh, or lieutenant so-and-so, uh, you may not know it, but that man over there might be able to help you with a situation. And I will put you in that program and you'll avoid jail time if indeed you can talk to him or her and go through that program. And you may find that there's VA resources for mental health, for medical treatment, um, for um, you know job skills training, things you didn't know were out there, and they do that. That Veterans Court Initiative has been something that Alabama has, and I'm very proud to have been a part of getting it started. Um, there's there's any number of things too, like we have organizations aside from Elena's organization, we have another one that I've even had on the show before. Still Serving Veterans is the name of the organization, SSV, the Still Serving Veterans. They have a major chapter out of the Huntsville area. You can look them up online. Still Serving Veterans. They are there to help folks transition from military to civilian life, finding a way to plug in. Because, you know, it, it, it sounds strange. I mean, I used to, used to tell Charlene, I said, you can always tell a guy who's been on active duty for a long time because he doesn't know what to wear when he gets off active duty. My dad, the, the night he, re, literally January 1 of 1983 was his day of, first day of official retirement after 21 years active duty. I'll never forget, he came downstairs. 
I was sitting downstairs watching New Year's festivities on TV, and he walks in the room. It's 12.01 midnight, and he looks at me, and he goes, I'm a civilian. What do I do? And I thought he was kidding. And then he looked at me and goes, ah, I don't even know what to wear tomorrow. He turned around and walked out of the room. It's a transition. I mean, it's, it's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that carries over and makes you a better person for civilian life. And there's a lot of stuff that just stops, and you have to figure out how to refill that gap. And organizations like Still Serving Veterans, the VA, the Veterans Courts Initiatives, um, what Elena is doing uh, with uh, uh, Alabama Veterans and building um, Dovetail Landing. I'm just saying, these folks are out there. They're ours, and they deserve the best we can possibly give them. Um, and if you're not familiar with these resources, you, I, I'll be honest with you, you. If you're not familiar with these resources and we can help you here at Rightside, you text us or call us and we'll do what we can to plug you in. But then there's also just the fact that those of us that are doing fine need to know how best we can help those who are not doing fine. And, and so you've got any number of opportunities right now that are out there. Even if all it is is you go and, and join us, uh, like, like, like Boomer and I already talked about how we're going to try to be at the clay shoot for uh, Elena's organization uh, here in a few weeks. And by the way, if you've never done a clay shoot at the Civilian Marksmanship Program, you're missing out. So bring your shotgun and prepare for a day at what I call a gunnery club because it is epic good. Um, have they started running their ads, Boomer? We're, they're one of our new advertisers. The CMP is right. Yeah, they. Uh, we started yesterday. Oh yeah. Okay. The ads are already up. Then the civilian marksmanship program um, is advertising on here, and that's where we're going to be uh, coming up here in a few weeks for uh, Elena's uh, fundraiser for uh, Dovetail Landing. Just, just very cool. Very, very cool. I'm thankful for her and her family and what they're doing. All right. Hey, listen. Uh, the text lines blew up. <laughs> so, so if um. Here's the question. We're going to keep this question thread going. Uh, what movie would you want your son to see? Because it is so filled with life lessons, you know. And so we've thrown out a bunch of them so far. I mean, it's like the list keeps growing. <laughs> like, but oh man, yeah, it, it just keeps go. I can't keep up. Uh, it's, so have you already got it up on Instagram? I have it up on Instagram. So at Right Side Radio on Instagram, and you can start just commenting on there as well. Wow, that's uh, that's 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 a good. I mean, I'll, I'll read some of them out when we get back from the break. But <laughs> su <laughs> suffice to say, the audience has grabbed hold of this one, and uh, of our hundreds and hundreds of people in our texting system alone, uh, we're getting. We need to start keeping track of which ones are being repeated because those may wind up being the winner. You know? Oh, that's true. Like I'm seeing Apollo 13. Dustin from Hazel Green says Apollo 13. He's the second person to say that one. Um, Oh, uh, is it Mike? From, oh, we got a new texter, Mike from Battleground, Alabama. Yes. I love that place. Battleground, but what a name, Battleground, Alabama. <laughs> That's over yonder in Coleman County. Battleground, Alabama. He says Big Fish. That's the second or third one we had on Big Fish. All right, folks. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. You guys stay tuned. We'll be right back.
right side ruffians. You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, hour number three already. Local, state, and national. Covering all the issues. And like that dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Man, Boomer, the the, the movies keep flowing in. <laughs> the movies <laughs> keep flowing I'm in. I'm looking at some of these, and they're they're awesome. So, um, let me let me jump in here and grab a few. The text lines are open, by the way, 833-687-4448. Uh, it's 833-68-RIGHT. Uh, so if you are, um, uh, are going to show a movie to your son, your grandson, and we just said son because we did that because that was, it was Boomer's little guy we were talking about. Um, what movie would you think has the best life lessons? Um, so I've got, I've got like multiple coming in here. Let me see if I can find one. Um, <laughs> this is a great one. New texture, Grandstand, he calls himself. Grandstand from Huntsville uh, says, Bambi, because Thumper teaches us if you can't say something good about someone, don't say nothing at all. Yeah. That's a lesson worth it. You know hey, what? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If you can't say nothing nice, then don't. don't yeah, say exactly. Anything at That's all. a good one. Um, what else have I got here? Uh, Lee from Huntsville. Um, the Lee from Huntsville, he says, he, she, I, I don't know, is it, I don't which, which Lee this is, but anyway, says the series, 1893, says those who traveled the Oregon Trail were tough and determined who would risk death, disease, loss of loved ones, and all of your possessions for freedom. That's, that's a worthy listen. That's Lee. That's, that's, that is Lee. That is the Lee? Lee, yes, the one, we, the one that calls in. That's the Lee that calls yes, in. Okay, yes. all right, great. <laughs> um, Sean from Owens Crossroads uh, just says, uh, lost another canine buddy last week. That's five mm-hmm. in the last year. He says, Sean, we're sorry to hear it, man. Also gives a, a veteran's crisis line you can use. I, that's, that's a great point. We're talking about veterans earlier. A veteran's crisis line, he says, you can dial 988 and then press 1 at the prompt. And just, you know, anyway, the veteran's crisis lines are available. Uh, Dale from Ardmore. Uh, Dale in the big city of Ardmore <laughs> says, and, and um, he says, that, how about that band movie, Song of the South? Oh, oh yeah, mm. oh yeah, Uncle Remus and the Brer Rabbit and Brer Bear and all of them. Don't throw me in that. Don't that throw briar me in patch. that Briar Patch. That was a great movie. <laughs> yes. I loved that movie. Um, who, who else we got in here? These 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 things keep going on. Rita from uh, Scottsboro was just saying that you know she was just that that Elena just really got to her. Says my heart's breaking for that sweet lady, mm. and and yeah, and, and it, it's it's legit. It's it's heartbreak, and but but I love what they're doing with it. Um, Mark from Somerville is new on the text line. We're glad you're there. Uh, David from Indian Valley, uh, Hacksaw Ridge. Have you seen Hacksaw Ridge? Oh, yes. You know, you know uh, Hacksaw Ridge. Um, hang on a second. I'm going to think of his name here in a second. Derek, De- uh, no, Desmond, Des- Desmond Doss. Yes. Desmond Doss, Medal of Honor winner. You know, he lived right down the road in Piedmont. He passed away in Piedmont. Really? He did. Yep. Sure I did, did not know right, this. Right here in the listening area, Piedmont, Alabama. Wow. Uh, Desmond Doss, Hacksaw Ridge. Uh, Jerry from Meridianville says, I know Boomer will approve of this one, The Junction Boys. 
The Junction Boys. I'm I'm not as familiar with that one. Are the you? The Junction Boys. Wait, is that that's not the one where they built the rockets, is it? Hang on yeah. a second. We're gonna have to look that one up. Um, thanks, Jerry. We appreciate you. We'll look that oh, one up. Oh yeah, Sorry. it's the Junction Boys. It's the football movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. There was another one that came out that was a football movie that was great too, just recently called uh, Twelve Mighty Orphans. Have you oh, seen that one? Oh man. Oh yes. my gosh, that's a good movie. That's a great movie. Twelve Mighty Orphans. True story. Mm. Uh, several seasons of Chuck Connors and Johnny Crawford in The Rifleman. That was this is old school, but that's good stuff right there. <laughs> the Rifleman. In fact. I always loved the beginning of that of the rifleman when he come on and he would like, I don't know how he did it, but he would have that 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 fast cocking Winchester and he could he could literally blast out about, you know, fifty rounds a minute it seemed like, <laughs> as the show was coming on. Jeff from Hazel Green, um, says that play in the fields of the Lord by with Tom Berenger. I don't know that movie. That's the first one somebody texted in that I don't know of. That play in the fields of the Lord. Play in the fields of the Lord. I don't have to look that one up. Ronnie from Athens says Blazing Saddles. I don't know that that's a life lesson movie. <laughs> so, badges. We don't need no stinking badges. Uh, all right. Hey, listen. We got, uh, oh, oh, Tina from Hartzell texted in. New on the text line, by the way. We're glad you're with us, Tina. Tina from Hartzell says Brian's song with uh, the story of Gail Sayers. There were a couple people that said this. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a great, mm-hmm. great movie. Yeah, go ahead and prepare yourself. That's the one that makes grown men cry. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Listen. Keep texting them. We'll keep taking them. Um, Badger from Athens says, like Homer Simpson said, there's always room for one more. <laughs> Welcome the newbies. <laughs> and, and thank you very much, Badger. And then uh, TC from Priceville. Oh, this is a great one. TC from Priceville says, we are Marshall. You're seeing we that movie? are. Oh, True yes. story again. The true stories, man, that's, that's yes. Charlene and I watched one the other night. Um, uh, Chris Pine starred in it, uh, and it's um, – Golly bomb. It's the story of the Coast Guard rescue off the coast of uh, New England in the middle of a major gale when a ship had broken in half. And they, they I'll think of it in a minute in a minute. It was a great, great movie. Have you All seen right. Invincible, the football movie? Yes. That's a good movie. Wait, too. is that the one with Mark Wahlberg? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, I have. Uh, um, and then uh, uh, what was the one, Unbreakable? When you Unbreakable. said that, Unbreakable. Unbreakable, the World War II movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a great movie. We're just. Well, we, we could talk about movies. We just, apparently, we could. <laughs> um, wow. Hey, listen. Uh, we got this segment we do periodically. Let me let me let me get back into the show here a second. Not that I mean. Anyway, the bottom line is that's what the show does. I guess we interact with our listeners as much as anything. But um, we got a segment we do periodically, where I'll be going through the news, and I go, "That's about the most wokest thing I've ever heard. That's that's some wokeness." Look at that wokeness. And next thing I know, I realize I've got an entire segment of wokeness that I can just I can put together because it's all things that happen, and we like to call it Adventures in Woke World. Hit it, Boomer. Adventures in Woke World. Yes, indeed. Brace yourselves. Some of these stories will be the kind that make you roll your eyes. Others will make you laugh. Sometimes you want to throw something at the radio or just roll your eyes. But all said and done, wokeness is in every facet of our society, doing what it can to steal our values. And we are not going to let it happen. Um, story on the National Review. If you haven't heard this story, this, this is woke world. This is also this is, this is the kind that makes you want to throw something at the, at the radio. National Review has a piece, and I've, I've seen the story, but this is, this is the one that I pulled. National Review came out February 16th. That'd be, what, five days ago. A British woman and a priest 
at separate times were acquitted of charges for praying outside of an abortion clinic, praying. If you haven't seen the video, I'll tell you, I saw it several weeks ago, and it just blew me away. A woman was standing there quietly on the street. She wasn't doing anything. She was just standing there. Somebody complained. Really? Yes. Two police came up. The video shows her standing there and the police saying, ma'am, what are you doing? I'm just, um, I'm just here. And she basically was very calm. She didn't do anything. They arrested her because she was in a no praying zone, basically. I kid you not. She was praying quietly against the abortion clinic that was across the street. They took issue with that. And so the police were sent and they asked her, what she was praying, and she said, well, I'm, I'm praying quietly inside my head. She wasn't praying out loud. She wasn't being demonstrative. She was, make, she was carrying no signs. She was by herself, and they arrested her. Her name is Isabel Von Spruce, a British woman who was arrested last year for praying silently outside an abortion clinic in Birmingham, has been form, in Birmingham, England, has been formally acquitted of all criminal charges. The ruling was handed down Thursday morning by Birmingham magistrates' courts, according to the Alliance Defending Freedom in the U.K., because they represented her. She said, I'm glad I've been vindicated of any wrongdoing, but I should never have been arrested for my thoughts and treated like a criminal simply for silently praying on a public street. So she was. She was arrested in what they, the, the Birmingham local city council had designated as a, quote, censorship zone. In other words, they're allowed to censor you, censor you in this area. And it said that she was charged with, quote, you ready for this? Protesting and engaging in an act that is intimidating to service users. If you are that lame that you are intimidated and is somehow in, 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 infringed upon because a woman is standing across the street, not calling you out, not saying a word to you, just praying for a moment by herself, to herself, in her head. Well, a local priest was also arrested, though, and he was acquitted of charges on the same day. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping the courts are looking at the Birmingham City Council and going, fix yourself, please. You can't keep sending people to us because they didn't think the way you'd like them to think. So this local priest, Father Sean Goff, I saw his interview on Tucker Carlson. Um, he was acquitted also. He was also found praying in the censorship zone, and he faced a charge of, quote, intimidating service users. He was found holding a sign that all it said was praying for free speech. Mm. He also had a bumper sticker on his car that said, unborn lives matter. And that was added to the charges because it was in the censorship-free zone. I kid you not. This is England. So, luckily, the courts have seen fit to go, yeah, you know what? We're not going down this road. The city council needs to change their policies. But that's the kind of things that happen in woke world. Now, uh, so, Boomer, when you were growing up, did you ever read, um, like, James and the Giant Peach or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Oh, or, all of them. Yeah. Right. So, they were great. Yeah, Roald Dahl was mm -hmm. the author of these famous children's books. Well, you'll be uh, happy to know as the parent of small children that some of the offensive language has now been taken out of Roald Dahl's famous oh, books. Wow. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, bro. Oh, thank Come you. Come on, story on Daily Wire. Dated uh, yesterday, actually. The publisher of Roald Dahl, the famous children author who wrote books like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Matilda, James and the Giant Peach, the BFG, among other works, has now collaborated with a group called Inclusive Minds. Inclusive Minds is an organization that monitors children's literature for inclusion, diversity, and accessibility. Very important. And all the changes to these books that have been made with 
inclusive minds helping with the editorial or the editing, excuse me. And they said they were small and carefully considered changes. Like, for instance, in one book called The Twits, it says, uh, this phrase, have you ever seen a woman with an uglier face than that became, have you ever seen anyone with an uglier? Because you can't, you can't talk about women, apparently. Another one uh, where it says, oh, do shut up, you old hag, became, oh, do shut up, you old crow. I, I, okay, I guess crows you can talk about, but hags you can't. Um, another one, uh, which book was this? Hang on a second. In Matilda, mothers and fathers became parents. Because I guess you don't want to make, you know, mothers and fathers. Anyway, take that for what it's worth. Uh, on another part of Matilda, uh, it went from, she went to Africa with Ernest Hemingway and to India with Rudyard Kipling to she went to Africa with Ernest Hemingway and California with John Steinbeck. Well, why? I don't know. I don't know at all. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, uh, they took out an entire section there about one of the kids in, the, uh, in, in Wonka's factory having toy pistols. Yeah. Because really? it's scary. At least they didn't take out the Oompa Loompas. Well, they did change the Oompa Loompas. No. Yeah, the Oompa Loompas can't spend their time climbing through treetops because that may be considered uh, in some way discriminatory, so they took that part out. It's a book, It's guys. a book. It's a book, and it's time for a break. Oh. Let's take a break right now. We'll come back. We're in Adventures in Woke World. Folks, I'm just telling you, you may want to know how many gay pride events your Air Force had in the year 2022. Or how about this? The war on merit turns into one for systemic injustice. Or how about this? What's the DOD's claims about diversity, and what are they saying about it? Oh, what about this one? How about reparations in California backfiring? Or the sex ed course for desensitizing children to sexual imagery? I got more. It's going to make you mad. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back.
all you right side ruffians out there. You are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, covering down on some major ground across the great state of Alabama. I'm talking about from way down south of Birmingham to up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back on over to Gadsden, parts of Georgia and Tennessee and even Mississippi, thrown in just for good measure. Call on line one. I'll do that real quick. Oh, is that Brian? Brian from Huntsville. How you doing, buddy? Uh, doing well, except I found out that apparently what I'm giving up for Lent is uh, any of the old books I used to read in movies and everything because <laughs> you're Yeah, well they're all they're all being they're all being wokeified, so it's it's safer to read them now for you, brother. What was about what was it about twenty five years ago, I do believe, when uh Song of the South they stopped producing it before uh, before C D uh, movies on C D and D V D were available. Yeah. And it was only on it was only on tapes, so I had to convert my tape to one. It doesn't look that great, but Preservation of history. So, I got it. So you got a, basically a bootleg copy right now is what you're telling me. Well, no, it's not a bootleg because I paid for the tape initially. I okay. Transferred, <laughs> I, tra- I transferred it from one format to another since I bought it. Oh. I, it uh, and what was on there, the licensing is still mine. I just can't distribute it. My 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 favorite books when I was a kid was was all the stories from Song of the South. I had I had the like the illustrated Disney style book of Song of the South, and it was great. I loved that book. Uh, oh yes, I remember that book growing up as a kid too. I love that one. And but uh, I, I, poor Walt. I meant uh, if we could put a turbine on his body, spinning in the grave, we could probably power half of Florida and more. I am. I am pretty sure that John F. Kennedy and Walt Disney both would be of a different mind than their uh, the folks that they align with by name right now. Well, any case, uh, thank you, and y'all have a blessed day. All right, brother. Take care. Um, yeah, the, the text line is still blowing up. <laughs> so, um, I mean, we we asked the question or at the beginning of the show. We just got off on a lark here. Uh, Boomer and I were talking about uh, his little man just uh, made little league team, uh, mm-hmm. got got selected for the Tigers, and um, and then we started talking about movies that you know our sons need to watch, and it just took off from there. So, Boomer, how many are we up to? Do we have any have a list? I, mean, uh, I should have been writing a list, but I can't keep up. <laughs> But you've got it on Instagram where people can go in there and, ch- yes. and chime in and keep yeah, a permanent so record all going, the ones right? That ha- if you've already sent in one, go to the Instagram if you have it, at Right Side Radio, and then you'll see the little post and just put a comment on under there just to s- tell us what movie. Absolutely. So we, then we can keep a list. Then we'll everybody can see the list. Uh, we got a new texture on the line, calls himself Mr. Hill from Pumpkin Center, Alabama. Pumpkin Center. I got to look up Pumpkin. I don't even know where Pumpkin Center is, but he lists uh, Old Yeller. Uh, yep, mm. I agree. Uh, Dave from Hazel Green, uh, what did he come in with? Uh, John Wayne, the Cowboys. Yes. Have you seen that one? Boomer, have you seen that one? Yes. I mean, the Cowboys. That was. <sighs> John Wayne. Just of course, John it was John Wayne. Wayne. Yeah. So. It's, it's hard to even get past us the guy that it was John Wayne. Uh, Jeff from Indiana also texted in Daniel Boone. Yes. Mm-hmm. was a man. Yes, a big, big man. I mean, can you sing that song? Did you ever watch that series, the old with Daniel Boone? Daniel Boone was a man. Yes, a big man. 
Okay. Anyway. I can't remember like you do. Right. I, I, just, <laughs> I just made myself old. It's all right. Um, <laughs> Jay from Hartzell says the yearling. Hmm. The yearling. Interesting. Interesting. Maybe so. Uh, Glenn from Bluntsville. Has anyone said Patton? You have. Uh, Glenn, there you go. Uh, that was a great movie, by the way. Uh, I mean, the, the part where he, he says, your job's not to die for your country. Your job's make some poor, dumb, blankety-blank from another country die for his country. <laughs> <laughs> Louis from Arab, uh, the true story, eight seconds. Eight seconds, which one is that? Oh, I don't know that one. Uh, eight seconds? Hmm. Now i got to look that one up. Eight seconds. Huh. Uh, Based on a true story? Yeah, I don't I know. I guess so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess so. All right. Hey, um, listen, uh, and by the way, Lee from oh. Decatur just texted in about Tears of the Sun a minute ago. So that was the one that convinced him to join the military. Uh, there wow. you go. Mm. Uh, all right. Back to adventures in woke world, because that's where we are. You'll be happy to know, those of you that are veterans especially, uh, your Air Force is all about being inclusive. Oh, yeah. I mean, nowhere in this article from Daily Caller do I find anything that talks about how they're intent upon winning wars. I can tell you right now, though, the Air Force apparently, by its own admission, hosted 67 pride celebrations in the year 2022. Well, now, and they've got a number of what they call affinity groups that are working to help identify, quote, root causes. And these root causes are things that might detract from diversity, equity, and inclusion in the Air Force. They have the Air Force Barrier Analysis Working Groups. That are, that are one of which is the LGBTQ Initiatives Team, otherwise known as LIT, L-I-T, the LIT Team. LIT Team participated in 67 Pride commemorations to include with top Air Force leaders across 33 Air Force and Space Force installations throughout the year 2022. It says, through their hard work, they say, we are one step closer to building a more diverse, inclusive, equitable, and accessible total force that values and leverages every member's unique attributes. Nowhere in there does it say a force that can win the freaking wars um, that this country may endure. Nowhere. Doesn't say it. Not at all. I'm just, no. Adventures in a woke world. But you know what? Here's the thing. That's the military. The Biden administration can force that one down their throats. And they are. The private sector, maybe things are sort of petering out on the private sector with DEI. I don't know. Story on Fox News came out yesterday. It says diversity, equity, and inclusion workers are fretting that companies aren't hiring them anymore. What's going on? We're, we're the DEI experts. Don't you, don't you need us? As the Biden administration, according to Fox News, as the Biden administration adds more diversity and equity roles, other industries are letting go of these high-priced positions in 2023. Companies, it says, are gutting DEI jobs while workers were leaving these fields at a higher rate than non-DEI positions. The study by Revelio Labs said last year that companies who had laid off, had done layoffs, had cut DEI positions at a rate 33% higher than they did for other roles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it says DEI facilitators were commiserating together on Twitter over the increasing trend, arguing their jobs are essential for equity in the workplace. One said, I had 30 speaking engagements last February. This month, I only had five. (laughs) Because nobody wants to hear your crap. (laughs) One of them said, it's time for companies who cut DEI positions to begin to recommit to the cause. Recommit. Get on board, buddy. Recommit to the cause. 
These employees need safe spaces. It's tied to their productivity. No, actually, it's not. Productivity is based upon merit. Productivity is based upon hard work. Productivity is not based upon the color of your skin. It's not based upon your gender or your gender identity. It's not. It's based upon the company being productive, not whether or not you have your measure of DEI inclusiveness. So, yeah, I find that to be funny that studies are showing that as the, the, the impacts of the economy on private sector is happening and they're unfortunately having to cut jobs, they're cutting DEI jobs a lot more than they're cutting some of the others. <laughs> Yay. Um, okay, here's one that we talked about last month. And it's one that might make you throw something at the radio. Just don't shoot the messenger. All right. Story on National Review. Do you remember that story, Boomer, we had it, I guess it was last month, maybe been late December, about the school, the Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology that refused, apparently, to give out national merit semifinalists. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you were a national merit scholar, you may not have known. Mm. Yeah, because. Because they. Equity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, don't want to offend the other kids who weren't smarter. Don't want to offend them. Yeah, that's yeah. right. You don't want to. Don't want to. Don't want to make their lives more difficult because they didn't score as high on the SATs. You know, just saying. Just saying. Well, so when that was discovered, when the principal at Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology in Virginia, when it was discovered in late December that they had withheld national merit commended student awards from those who had earned them. The county superintendent in Fairfax County, Virginia, said it was a one-time human error. We're working on this, except no. They have now discovered through FOIA requests that there were 18 schools that did this in the same general vicinity. Hmm. Coincidence? I think not. So, yeah, motivated by the pursuit of so-called equity, according to National Review, dated yesterday, actually dated today. By the pursuit of so-called equity, willfully, 18 schools willfully engaged in a deliberate pattern and practice of withholding awards, devaluing their worth, and deceiving parents in the process. Now, keep in mind, folks, this is not just equity. This is also having the potential for personal harm to these kids because they use this on their resumes to get scholarships. Being a national merit semifinalist or finalist is like saying, hey, I'm one of the best and brightest. And that goes great on a resume for scholarships. And if they don't get it and don't even know, they can't say anything about it. And it might have made the difference in a competitive environment looking for scholarships. It says in fall of 2022, there were even records that they've discovered now through these FOIA requests in these Fairfax County schools. Where, where literally teachers were, you know, told that if you have to hand them out at all, just don't make a big production because you don't want to hurt the kids' feelings who didn't get one. Some of them were handing them out in the hallways as kids walked past as opposed to recognizing them at award ceremonies. Wow. I mean, it's just nuts, man. This is, abs this is woke gone bad. But listen to this. These are the kind of things that are happening in that school system they found out. It says, in August of 2020, local school district leaders, including at the Thomas Jefferson School for Math and Science, were just fawning during their emails, because they got copies of the emails, fawning over a virtual event with Ibram X. Kinde, the author of anti-racism treatises, like, you know, things like, you know, dealing with uh, race-based critical race theory, uh, with the argument, the only remedy to past discrimination is for present discrimination. No, it's not. 
Later that year, the same school board voted 12 to 0 to rid Thomas Jefferson School of Math and Science of its merit-based race-blind admissions process because they said they wanted more brown and black children, never mind the fact that 80% of the school students are already minorities. In April of 2021, the same school's teachers also taught a social-emotional learning lesson featuring material from Black Lives Matter organization and an active alumni who came on and scolded the school's Asian-American students for engaging in what he called cultural appreciation because they salsa-danced during a, um, a school event. Mm. I mean, <laughs> it goes on and on. And you know what happens? When all this, when all this, all this stuff happens... When this wokeness invades the school system like that, the kids are the ones who suffer. They absolutely are. Not the least of which are those kids who should have been notified that all their hard work and efforts to become a national merit finalist, it paid off. They just didn't know it because the schools, 18 schools, didn't tell them. All right, Boomer, take me to the last break of the day, man. Oh, my gosh, the stuff that I've got here. Stuff in <laughs> Adventures in Woke World. I just... It almost, it almost makes me tired reading some of this stuff. But I'm doing it for y'all. You guys stay tuned. We will be right back. Just a last man standing, I wasn't thinking.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Solid conservative, just plain right. Making it cool to be a conservative. Hey, listen, uh, Just Love Coffee Cafe. Two locations in our listening area. Oh, man, you got to check them out. I'm just saying. So I, I, I said this a few weeks back, and I actually had somebody sent me a picture saying, I did it, and I guarantee you they were. So here's the deal. You want to be a hero tomorrow morning at work, right? It's midweek. Tomorrow's camel day. We'll play the camel. But in the morning... Maybe you're the hero. You stop by Just Love Coffee Cafe on the morning, just either one of our locations at Hughes Road in Madison, South Parkway in Huntsville, and you 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 not only treat yourself to a breakfast off their amazing menu or or a, or a big old cappuccino or espresso or a fresh cup of steaming black, you know, light, medium, or dark roast coffee, but then you become the hero for the office, and you get their barista box. And so, yeah, you, you go ahead and get a barista box of their award-winning coffee and take it to work with you. And you walk in and you say, hey, nobody has to get that tired old coffee from the nasty old coffee maker down the hall in the break room. I got you covered. And you brought the barista box of Just Love Coffee to the office. And yes, you are the hero of the day. Uh, and I, the other day when I did that, I had somebody sent me a picture. They went by, got three barista boxes and and like a whole rack of danishes or something to take with them. Uh, so so just check it out. Just Love Coffee Cafe, two locations, one on Hughes Road in Madison, the other on South Parkway in Huntsville. And do me a favor, when you're checking out, tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. All right. Uh, Boomer, there's not a call on the line right now, is there? I, I've still no, got, okay, sir, that's, there oh, is that's, not. That's right. That's, that's, that's from earlier. Um, oh, so, my, yeah. so uh, there's been so much stuff happening in woke world. Um, this is the section that we do where we look around the world and the news cycles and the different stories. And I find the stuff that sometimes it makes me roll my eyes. Sometimes I just want to throw something. Other times I'm laughing. But listen, it's, it's all adventures in woke world. And so this is... By the way, for who who was it that said a minute ago? I didn't get to the, the third. Was it JT from Lacey Springs? Yeah, I did. This is my third dipper, JT. I made all three. All three dippers. <laughs> all today. three dippers. Um, activists. Breitbart has a story here dated yesterday. Activists are upset as a black family sells its reparations lands back to the government. <laughs> okay. Now this was an interesting story because I will tell you, I'm not a fan of the the ridiculous idea of reparations. For you know, for the descendants of slaves, these these hundred and fifty years later, I just I don't see that as being workable. Now, if you were a slave, I'm all for you getting some reparations. But if you weren't a slave, then don't bother calling. But this is an interesting story. So the Bruce family, a black family in um, Los Angeles area, they had um, apparently owned some beach resort land in like around 1912. They had a beach resort back then because of you know segregated society. It catered to black clients. And the city then used eminent domain to seize that beachfront property. I don't know exactly what year, but it was early in the, uh, the last century. And then the land was dormant because the city didn't wind up doing much with it until around 1960. They built a city park, but then they wound up closing that down. And all said and done, in 2022... We know after uh, a number of activists had gotten involved in things, the, the city decided to go ahead and deed the land back over to the Bruce family. And they apparently had a, you know, I'm not mocking this, I'm saying they literally had a very apparently emotional public ceremony. However, the New York Times has now reported the family has decided to go ahead and sell the land back to the county and make like $20 million off of it. And activists are now mad because <laughs> they feel like they've been taken advantage of. That's capitalism, dude. 
I'm just saying. If what do you expect them to do? Let's hold the land and pay taxes on it annually. No, you're gonna make twenty million dollars. My gosh. Anyway, reparations. No, uh, this case was interesting. How about this one? Redstate.com. Redstate.com. Headline alone is going to make you mad. Pennsylvania English teacher says his sexual education course is designed to desensitize children to sexual imagery and to body parts. Mmm. Mmm. A private school in Pennsylvania is employing a, quote, sexuality curriculum that employs graphic images and videos of body parts and sexual acts. And the teacher, Al Vernaccio, is an English teacher at the Friends Central School. And what kind of school is this? A private school? At least it's not a public school. Anyway, he coordinates programs and assemblies centered on sexuality. In school, what, what age group is this? This is unreal. In an article for Philadelphia Magazine, the same guy told a reporter he fears that easy access to pornography has perverted the views of sex for many teens, so his solution is not to restrict pornography, but to show them better pornography. You see where we're headed here. Let me show you how it's done. Let me show you the better way. Let me, let me show you the more respectable versions of pornography. That's a class, by the way, in a school in Wynwood, Pennsylvania, and somewhere along the line, I would assume that this class, this school, actually has a board. Uh, it's a high school level class, and the board needs to go ahead and get involved here pretty quick. Unless maybe that's why they exist in the first place. I don't know. I didn't even get to the one about the gas stoves in our houses or things going green or the Department of Defense claiming that literally diversity is now a strategic imperative. <laughs> Adventures in Woke World. Best audience in the whole world. You guys have an amazing night. Boomer and I back here tomorrow at 2. We will see you then. Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right.